Welcome to Museum Camp. I'm Megan. I'm Madison. Hello. Thank you for joining us. We're here live. Live from my office. Live from here. This is Museum (laughs) Camp, Immature History, Spooky October Edition. Yeah, you know the drill, baby. Yeah. Um, I'm going to kick us off with some spooky history okay uh this is the wikipedia article for the great amherst mystery oh have you heard of this one i have heard of it is it because we've done this no i don't okay think I, was, so. I looked through all of them i think i had thought about doing it at one okay. point and for some reason abandoned it okay well but, dibs okay great <laughs> The Great Amherst Mystery was a notorious case of reported poltergeist activity in Amherst, Nova Scotia, Canada, mm. between 1878 and 1879. Spooky years. Spooky. Very spooky. <laughs> like eight, late 1800s. Ugh. I feel like there was just a lot going on where like... Uh, yeah. Everything's just shrouded in mystery and yeah. smog. Oh, yeah. Lots of smog. <laughs> <laughs> It was the subject of an investigation by Walter Hubble, an actor with an interest in psychic phenomena, who kept what he claimed was a diary of events in the house, later expanded into a popular book. Mm. The case was dismissed as a hoax by skeptical investigators. Well, don't get skeptical investigators. Just get regular ones (laughs) next time. Yeah, I love the differentiation of a skeptical investigator. I would argue that they're all a little skeptical. They're all a little skeptical. (laughs) Okay. The Amherst mystery centered on Esther Cox, who lived in a house with her married sister, Olive Teed, Olive's husband, Daniel, and their two young children. Mm -hmm. Man, nothing like living with your family and your sister. Just like... I mean, it'd be great, but also it's just like, that's a very late 1800s thing to have a whole nuclear family and then also just like the spinster Uh, aunt. Yeah, absolutely. It is very late 1800s. And also, I don't have a sister, but I would feel like if I were the spinster sister, I would have a hard time like living there with Yeah, you'd be a real third wheel. family, yeah. Um. And you know that back then they didn't have a lot of space. No. They were just all crammed into a room. Yeah, you're all hearing the night noises. Oh, yeah, those <laughs> night noises. <laughs> a brother and sister of Esther and Olive also lived in the house, as did Daniel's brother, John Teed. Does anyone not live in this house? <laughs> Everyone in Amherst. Yeah, and apparently some ghosts. Sure. Or poltergeists. It must have been, you know, a real cozy house. Yeah cozy a new movie idea is a ghost poltergeist a poltergeist okay i love that can you just see the the (laughs) dvd blu-ray cover now for poltergeist i absolutely can yeah i'm manifesting (laughs) according to hubble's account at first i read that as hubble's accountant which would have been such a funny A funny twist from this narrative hubble's accountant yeah does anyone have any of his information According to Hubble's account, events began at the end of August 1878 after Esther Cox, then 18, was subject to an attempted sexual assault by a male friend at gunpoint. This left her in great distress, naturally. And shortly after this, the physical phenomena began. Okay. There were knockings, bangings, and rustlings in the night. Night What did I say about those night noises? (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Uh, and Esther herself began to suffer seizures in which her body visibly swelled and she was feverish and chilled by turns. Oh, Ugh. my God. Turns the bird? 
Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> then objects in the house took flight. Oh, like a bird. <laughs> like a bird. Yes. Everything I'm is sorry. Everything I'm, is avian. I'm very like um focused on bird, bird focused. Yeah, very bird focused. Birds right. on the brain. Yep. Bird brain. Bird brain. <laughs> Uh, the frightened family called in a doctor. During his visit, bedclothes moved, scratching noises were heard, and the words, Esther Cox, you are mine to kill, oh. appeared on the wall by the head of Esther's bed. Oh my. Spooky. The writing on the wall. Super spooky. Yeah. Uh, the following day, the doctor administered sedatives to Esther to calm her and help her sleep. Uh, but those were really, you know... <laughs> Well dosed. Yeah, I'm uh, sure. Whereupon more noises and flying objects manifested themselves. Yeah. Attempts to communicate with the spirit resulted in tapped responses to questions. Hmm. The phenomena continued for some months and became well known locally. This, is every I'm sorry, is everyone in the house experiencing this or is it, it just It would appear so. Okay. But it seems to be like, you know, coming from Esther. Oh, sure. Esther is such a spooky name. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the phenomena continued for some months and became well known locally. Visitors to the cottage, including clergymen, heard banging and knocking and witnessed moving objects, mm-hmm. often when Esther herself was under close observation. Mm. In December, Esther fell ill with diphtheria. Oof. No phenomena were deserved during the two weeks she spent in bed nor during the time she spent recuperating afterwards at the home of a married sister in Sackville, New Brunswick. Okay. However, when she returned to Amherst, the mysterious events began again, this time involving the outbreak of fires in various places in the house. Uh Uh-oh. Esther herself now claimed to see the ghost, which threatened to burn the house down unless she left. Sure. That's so rude. Okay, yeah. She was probably there first. Well, actually, the ghost was probably there first. Yeah, but like if the ghost is only telling Esther to leave and not everyone else. Yeah, it's mean. That's mean. It's mean spirited. It really <laughs> It really is. <laughs> in January 1879, Esther moved in with another local family. That family was probably like, "Can you not?" Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> She's or she just catfished them. Yeah. Um, but the manifestations around her continued and were witnessed by many people, some of whom conversed with the ghost by questioning and rapt answers. A rapping ghost. I know that they mean knocking, but <laughs> but would love but if it was another feature in poltergeist. Yeah. A rapping. Hip, a hip hop rapping ghost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um some were curious and sympathetic. Others believed Esther herself to be responsible for the phenomena, and she met with some hus- hostility locally. Mm. Esther was frequently slapped, pricked, and scratched by the ghost. Oh, my God. And every time they say ghost, it's in quotes. Okay. Um, and on one occasion was stabbed in the back with a clasp knife. What is a clasp knife? I don't know, but I probably don't want to be stabbed. It doesn't it. sound good. It doesn't yeah. sound good. Interest in the case grew as the news spread, and in late March, Esther spent some time in St. John, New Brunswick, where she was investigated by some local gentlemen with an interest in science. Okay. By now, several distinct spirits were apparently associated with Esther and communicating with onlookers via knocks and rappings. (laughs) (laughs) So, the first... So, now we're going to talk about all the the ghosts. Good, good, good. 
Bob Nickel. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Bob Nickel, the original ghost, claimed to have been a shoemaker in life, and others identified themselves as Peter Cox, a relative of Esther's, uh-huh. and Maggie Fisher. After the visit to St. John, Esther spent some time with the Van Ambergs, friends with a peaceful farm near Amherst, and then returned to the Teeds Cottage in the summer of 1879, whereupon the phenomena broke out again. Oh, boy. Okay. It was at this point that Walter Hubble arrived, attracted by the publicity surrounding the case, and moved into the Teed Cottage as a lodger to investigate the phenomena. I mean, this is a clown car of a cottage. Because there's just so many people. <laughs> right. Uh, and ghosts. Yeah, that's too many cooks um, yeah. in the cottage. Too many cooks in the cottage. Yeah. For sure. Hubble spent some weeks with Esther and her family and reported having personally witnessed moving objects, fires, and items appearing from nowhere, and claimed that he saw phenomena occur even when Esther herself was in full view and obviously unconnected with them. Hmm. He also claimed to have witnessed attacks on Esther with pins and other sharp objects and to have seen her in several of her fits of extreme swelling and pain. He communicated the various named spirits by rapping. <laughs> it's too funny. It's, it's too I love much. it. I love it. Uh, and listed three others. Mary Fisher. Uh-huh. Jane Nickel. Oh, Bob's wife. Bob's wife. Okay. Bob and Jane. <laughs> and Eliza McNeil, who okay. were also manifesting themselves as part of events. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> just, just so good. I love it. With Hubble's professional help, uh-huh. professional feels Ooh, like a stretch. Yeah. Uh, Esther Cox embarked on a speaking tour, attracting audiences sure. who paid to see her and hear her story. Mm-hmm. However, she met with some hostile reactions, and after she was heckled one night and a disturbance broke out, the attempt was abandoned. Sure. She returned to Amherst once more, working for a man named Arthur Davison. But after his barn burned down, he accused her of arson, and she was convicted and sentenced to four months in prison. Oh my God! Even though only four months for only arson. Four months. Well, she's a woman. How much oh, damage sure. can she yeah, do? That's you know? true. Um, although she was released after only one. Well, good for her. Yeah. After this, the phenomena ceased for good. Esther Cox suddenly, nope, subsequently married twice, having a son by each of her husbands. She moved to Brockton, Massachusetts with her second husband and died on November 8th, 1912, aged 52. Wow. Um, so then Hubble's book was published in 1879 uh, and proved popular, selling at least 55,000 copies. The Amherst case was also investigated by the British paranormal researcher Hereward Carrington. Mm-hmm. Hereward. Hereward. Uh, who took statements from surviving witnesses of the events in 1907 and published them, along with a detailed account of the case in 1913. Um, Other researchers looked at the case more critically than Hubble, in particular Dr. Walter F. Prince in the Proceedings of the American Society for Psychical Research, made a detailed case for trickery by Esther Cox while in a dissociative state. Mm. Uh, So... Prince noted that Esther's male friend, which I wouldn't call him a friend, who had attempted to rape her, was Bob yeah. McNeil. And the alleged poltergeist activities of Bob Nickel oh. only began a week after the assault. So, a real bummer all around. Yeah. Um, but that wow. is the Great Amherst mystery. Well, you know, 
I, here's what I think. First of all, I'm going to believe that she was being haunted. Mm -hmm. But second of all, even if she wasn't and she was acting out, that is her right. That's her right. And I believe in women's rights and women's wrongs. And ghosts' rights. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ghosts have a right to haunt if they want to. They do. Let them. Okay, I am going to do an absolute classic history tale. Okay. And I've been trying to find like a succinct, you know, article that put all this together that wouldn't take me three hours to read. Sure, 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 sure. Um, And I finally found one today. So I'm going to read an article from explorethearchive.com by Grace Felder uh, called What Happened to the Lost Colony of Roanoke? (gasps) Ooh, spooky. Spooky. Okay. The story of Roanoke began in 1584 when explorer Sir Walter Raleigh asked Queen Elizabeth I's permission to establish a colony in the New World. She quickly granted him permission since an English presence in North America would provide a strategic passage to the West Indies. And the rest is history. (laughs) Amen. Uh, He sent out a reconnaissance expedition later that year, which reported back that Roanoke Island was well suited for a colony. It was on the water, had plenty of resources, and the local Native American tribes seemed peaceful and friendly. Encouraged by the first expedition's findings, Raleigh arranged a much larger expedition that set sail in 1585. This time, he sent around 600 soldiers and seamen under the command of his cousin, Sir Richard Grenville. Everyone's a sir. Like, chill out. Everyone. (laughs) This expedition did not go as well as the previous one. Conflict soon arose between the Englishmen and the members of the local uh, Sakotan tribe, and the settlers fled back to Europe in 1586. Still, Raleigh was determined to make his settlement work. In the summer of 1587, over 100 English settlers arrived on Roanoke Island. The group was made up of approximately 90 men, 17 women. Yikes! What a sausage wow. fest, dude. Truly. I would not want to be one of those 17 women. No. No. I'm going to bet that they weren't like super respectful to the women. Yeah. Or, you know. Oh, for sure, dude. Yeah. Um, And 11 children. Huh. Um, Among them was John White, who was to be the governor of the colony. He was accompanied by his wife and daughter, Eleanor Dare. In August, Eleanor gave birth to Virginia Dare, the first English child born in the Americas. Only a few months after the settlers arrived, they found themselves in desperate need of supplies. It was decided that White would sail back to England and return with the things they needed. However, once he arrived there, he found that war had broken out between England and Spain. Oh, whoops. Oopsie. In order to combat the formidable Spanish Armada, Queen Elizabeth ordered that every ship available be conscripted into the fight. John White was unable to return to Roanoke until 1593 years after his departure. Oh, my God. I mean, if you're already like, hey, we don't have food. (laughs) Not a good... Not a good time frame. No. But when he arrived, he found no trace of the colony or the family that he'd left behind. All that remained 
was the word Croatoan carved into a gatepost and Crow etched into a nearby tree. C-R-O. This was not the birds. Yeah. It's usually the birds. (laughs) I know. It usually is. Uh, The Roanoke colonists were never seen again and White never learned what happened to them. Ugh. So spooky. So spooky. The fact that there's like no... Like, because one would think, yeah. oh, they died. But where are their where bodies? Where are the bodies? Because they wouldn't just all fully decompose with no trace in three years. Right. Oh, my God. One of the oldest and most popular theories about the fate of the missing colonists is closely linked to the carvings left behind at the Roanoke site. Croatoan Island, known today as Hatteras Island, um, not known by me because I don't know yeah, how to pronounce no. that. Uh, was 50 miles south of the settlement. Many people believe that carvings, uh, that the carvings were a message left behind by the colonists to tell White where they'd gone. Perhaps the colonists had failed to carve out an ex- uh, existence at their settlement and had decided to try their luck elsewhere. Hmm. It's widely accepted that Croatoan Island played some part in the fate of the colonists, but to what extent is still the subject of debate? Upon learning that the colonists had abandoned Roanoke, White immediately wanted to sail to Croatoan Island to investigate, but damage to the ship forced him to turn back to England before the rescue mission could be completed. So theory two, uh, splitting up into smaller groups. Another theory is that the settlers were struggling to survive, so they broke into smaller groups and dispersed to different areas throughout what is now North Carolina. With dwindling supplies, historian Eric Klingelhofer (laughs) argued that it was not likely that the Roanoke colonists would have traveled anywhere as one big group. Quote, no single Indian tribe or village could have supported them. They would be even larger than some villages. The members of the 1585 expedition had been instructed to break off into smaller groups in the event of an emergency, so maybe the Roanoke colonists had a similar plan in place. Uh, In 2011, researchers discovered patches on a map of the area drawn by John White. When scientists at the British Museum, we know those guys, examined the patches, they found a small red and blue symbol. This is very national treasure. I love that. Uh, at the mouth of the Chowan River west of the colony. Could this strange symbol have indicated a secret emergency location or fort that was to be kept hidden from foreign agents? What if some of the settlers headed there? Archaeological excavations have uncovered evidence of a colonial settlement in this area. However, it has been difficult to prove that the settlement was established prior to the 1700s. Um, theory three, assimilation into local Native American tribes. If the colonists did voluntarily flee their settlement, most scholars agree that they would have sought the help of Native Americans. Another popular theory is that the colonists developed a friendly relationship with some of the indigenous people living in the area. As time went on and it became clear that outside help would not be arriving, they eventually became integrated into local tribes. Hmm. Um, skip a little bit of that theory for the final theory a violent end. While there are several theories that presume the colonists voluntarily left Roanoke and simply lived elsewhere in obscurity, 
There are others that consider a much grislier fate. As the only English settlement on the continent, and comprised of families rather than the military, the inhabitants of Roanoke were, vul- were vulnerable to attack. Earlier expeditions to the site to check its suitability for a settlement had already stirred up conflict with the Sakotan tribe. Perhaps the colonists were massacred in a face-off with local Native Americans who were resentful of the settlers' presence and the disruption of their way of life. Mm. There's also a possibility that Spanish forces traveled north from their territories in Florida and slaughtered the colonists during the ongoing tension between the two imperialist powers. Whatever the case may be, researchers are still searching for answers all these years later. So crazy. I oh, I love a good like... I love when there's a Wikipedia page where... The bulk of it is theories. Yeah. The theories. When uh, it's like, hey, what the fuck happened here? Truly. Here's some ideas. Yeah. But (laughs) no one knows. No one knows. Oh, so good. Wow. I feel like I need to like go find some documentaries or something about that. Yeah. If you want something less documentary and more um, entertaining, there is a Roanoke season of American Horror Story. Oh, That's pretty good. okay. Yeah. I thought you were going to say there was a drunk history version of it. <laughs> there still oh, could I be. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. We'll look into it. Yeah. Um, amazing. Wow. Campers, are you spooked? <sighs> I hope so. Yeah. We, we will have done our jobs. Yeah. Um, let us know. Mm-hmm. And thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Get out of here, rascals. Bye. <laughs>